Thanks, guys. <laughs> this is, uh, we're in our wise series, working through Proverbs. This is the fourth installment in our wise series. We've, talked, we've had an introduction, and then we've talked about um, being money-wise, and then last week, Leanne talked to us about family-wise, and this week, we're talking about sex. Sex-wise. How, how can we be wise with sex? I just said the S word three times in church. As a kid, you know, when I grew up in church, we didn't talk about, like, you would never have seen that kind of slide, uh, because all we had was overhead projectors, but, but, <laughs> but, um, but not that anyway, and, and the, the messages about sex, when I was growing up as a kid, that I remember anyway, were ones like this from Colossians 3.5, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Uh, or this one is on the next slide, Sarah. Um, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. That's what I remember. Uh, messages like that. It's like that. Don't do it. Stop it. You know, your desires are evil. Don't give in to them. Be self-controlled. And so many of us fight the battle that way. Be strong against sexual temptation, and there's validity in that, but it's not the whole story. Here's a, here's a verse, um, if we can get overhead work. Here's a verse that I, that I would recommend to you to memorize as a young person. Uh, it's from Proverbs. This is how Proverbs tackles sex. It says this, Proverbs 5, verse 18. Let, I'll read it to you. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice. In the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. I just said breasts in church. <laughs> now, God did, actually. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. There's any rules in that that you could see? None that I can see. Blessing in fountains, rejoicing, satisfaction, captivation. Wise sex is blessing. It's rejoicing. It's captivating. It's satisfying. It's not just a choice of what's right and what's wrong. It's not just a test of sheer willpower. It's a choice of which desires we foster of which desires we feed, of which desires we welcome. In that verse in Proverbs 5, that you can look up yourself if you like, Proverbs 5.18, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Let her breasts satisfy you always. Allow this to happen. May, may you always be captivated by her love. Allow wisdom to shape your desire. In Proverbs 9, we, we get a picture of two women, wisdom and folly. They're personified. And here's wisdom at the start of Proverbs 9. Wisdom has built her house. She's carved out its seven columns. She's prepared a great banquet. Mix the wines and set the table. 
She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Learn to use good judgment. That's wisdom uh, as portrayed in Proverbs 9. Uh, this is the person of wisdom. It's a, it's a picture, if you like. It's a, this is God, um, but shown to us as this lady calling out, like up on, on top of the hill kind of thing to everyone, out in the open for everyone to hear, for everyone to see. And she says, come in with me and eat what I've got and drink the wine that I've mixed. Begin to live, begin to live. Allow wisdom to show you great sex. May your wife's love captivate you always. May your husband's love captivate you always. You always. Maybe your wife and your husband be a fountain of blessing for you. Let her breasts satisfy you always. By the way, if you think this is too graphic for you, be thankful I'm not preaching from the Song of Songs. <laughs> or you'd have to leave the room. <laughs> God's not embarrassed by sex. It's not like he's looking down from heaven feeling shocked or scandalized. Oh my goodness, what are they getting up to? There. He created sex. Sex is part of wisdom. Praise God for sex. And this beautiful portrayal of letting wisdom shape our desires for sex comes in the middle of Proverbs 5, where it also pictures what happens when we let foolishness shape our sexual desires. We start Proverbs 5 and verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. How alluring is the temptation of foolish sex? How luscious does the promise of sexual immorality feel to us? The lips of the immoral woman drip honey. Oh, if I could just have that woman, that'd be so satisfying. Or for our ladies, if I, if I could just have that man, I'd be sexually satisfied. If I could taste those lips, joy and bliss would flood my whole being. If I could be whisked away by that dreamboat, I'd find deeper love and sexual bliss. Verse 3 again, For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. For she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. She doesn't even realize. But you, my son, be wise. And look where that leads. That honey is bitter poison. It will kill your life. And she doesn't care about your life. You chase the desire for that honey and it will take you straight to the grave and all things dead. In the, in the battle against you know, sinful, lustful desires as a young man, um, someone 
you know, I've got lots of tips from older men about how to kind of wrestle with that. One of them is, if you're tempted to think lustfully about a woman, look at her eyes. Like, just look at the eyes and see a whole person there. That's a useful image. That this is, can't objectify this person. This is a person. This is someone's daughter. This is God's child. So that's one helpful thing. The other is this picture, which is, yeah, that might look nice on the surface, but behind that is just decay and maggots and rot and filth and emptiness and death. And so that helps too. I imagine this face melting away and there's just all kind of darkness and yuck behind it. <laughs> yep. Um, this is what wisdom calls us to, though. Look where that goes. Look where it goes. And there's nothing in that temptation that he's got anything to do with life. In fact, she doesn't even care. Like the point is, this kind of temptation, he doesn't care more than he doesn't care. It actually tries to drag you away from life. It is that temptation is a lie. It is a big, filthy lie. That leads to death. So back to Proverbs 9. So we're jumping from 5 to 9. In, so in 5, at the start of 9, we had wisdom up on the, um, on the hilltop, calling out, uh, out in the open for people to come and eat her food and drink the wine that she'd made. And here we have the other woman in Proverbs 9, personified folly. Proverbs 9 and verse 13. The woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, stolen water is refreshing, food eaten in secret tastes best. And doesn't Folly lurk in the doorways don't we know that secret promise of secluded sin that no one else needs to know about stolen water is refreshing imagine sex with that woman or that man he doesn't technically belong to you but just imagine you know if you can steal a bit of pleasure from chasing that desire food eaten in secret tastes best but goes on in proverbs 9 directly after that to say this but little do they know that the dead are there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. And wisdom says, look where that desire takes you. Food eaten in secret is best. Rubbish. Rubbish. Food eaten in secret leads to death. Kids are growing up these days uh, and we, because of the prevalence of the internet and stuff, we put news agents in their pocket. And so it means that it's easy to chase food eaten in secret with sexual temptations um, on our phones and tablets and screens and we've got We've got generations 
of people committing adultery with pixels on their screen everywhere. You know, one, in every, one in every four total Google searches is for pornography. And up to a third of those who, who do that are women. In the US in 2016, people spent $3,000, like the whole country, spent $3,000 per second on porn. That's $260 million a day. Can I, can I pay to go to hell? Why do men and women, young and old, look for secluded spaces and times where they can feed this desire for sexual gratification through pixels on a screen? Why do humans do that? We know in our head it's bad for us and it's bad for society and you can look at secular psychology you know, outside of our, of the Christian realm even and they will show you why it's so bad. So why do we do it and why do Christians do it? Well, why do we do anything? Because we want to. Because we desire to. Because we can believe whatever we want to up here about what's right and wrong, but what we actually behave from is our heart, which is the wellspring of life, because from the heart flow all of the things that we say and do. So why, why do we do it? Because we want to. What is discipleship? Is it just learning the right things so we can control this desire in us that's never going to shift? That is not going to work. That is how most of us try and fix this issue. What do we need? We need Jesus Christ to transform what we want. What we desire. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Let her breasts satisfy you always. Here's wisdom's warning for us about the lure of foolish sex. Proverbs 5 verse 7. So now my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. This is not a rule, this is Proverbs, this is principle, this is, this is wisdom. Listen, 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 stay away, don't go near her door. If you do, listen to the consequences here, you will lose your honour, you will lose to merciless people all you've achieved, strangers will consume your wealth, someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labour, in the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I've come to the brink of utter ruin and now I must face public disgrace. These are not consequences because God especially punished people who want to have fun. You know, these are natural consequences when, for when we ignore God's wisdom and take something beautiful that he made for us and abuse it and mangle it and hurt people with it. These consequences are just descriptors actually of death. So don't do that, wisdom says. Instead, this, verse 15, drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. 
Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. The wise never share sex with strangers. When I practice this, I said that out loud. It's a tongue twister. The wise never share sex with strangers. Um, try and say that. Um, one, because it's, it's, you know, it's fun to do tongue twisters. And two, because it would be awesome for you to just know. The wise never share sex with strangers. And this is not just uh, like have intercourse, like, like uh, physical sex. This is, this is the desire. This is the, what's happening in the heart here. Jesus said, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. This is what we're talking about here. This is the things that we want. So this is not just two people who've never had sex with anyone except their husband or their wife, but they're secretly desiring all kinds of other stuff. That's unwise, totally unwise. This is not I'm having sex with my husband, but I'm imagining another person in the space here. That's not wise at all. This, and this is... So this is not like we look at that picture of an external and this picture of someone who's had multiple partners and go, wise and unwise. We don't know. This is about desire. This is about what do you want in this area of sex in your life? And the wise never share sex with strangers. It's better than that, though. The wise are learning never to desire sex with strangers. Wisdom takes us to this point where we only want sex with one person. And this is the point in chapter 5, if you're following the sequence here, where the music starts for the wise. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving dear, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. That's the verse we should teach all of our young people. To remind us that God made this thing and he loves it and he made it for us. Uh, The pastor of the church uh, that was in as a young adult had this prayer. I'll substitute Dominique's name in because I'm not married to his wife. And that is this, Father, let Dominique be the one who captures my affection. So you put your spouse's name into that space. Or, if you're not married, your potential, let that person, I don't even know who they are yet, but that's the only place for wise sex. Father, let Dominic be the one who captures my affection. It's a journey, wisdom. We're not born wise. We're born into this crazy culture where the search for sexual actualization and self-gratification is rampant. And there's, there's this prevailing thought in our society that how we express ourselves sexually is actually core to our identity. We take sex in this society. We get it for ourselves. Our screens are overly sexualized. Our minds are conditioned to desire that which doesn't belong to us. Too many of us leave our wife in bed on our own while we play with folly and death on a phone in another room. 
too many wives offer their husband no sexual attention at all because they're too busy wishing you was more like someone else. Why sex isn't just hiding folly. Why sex is the transformation of our desires. Why sex is nothing like the world pushes at you. Why sex is when your heart is captivated by the love of one other, when you have a whole lifetime to explore and learn the delights of each other in abandonment and freedom and trial and error and humor and fun. Sometimes it doesn't work, but it doesn't matter. Always listening to each other, always responding to each other's needs in. Listen, absolute honesty and vulnerability and freedom and safety. I do marriage prep classes with people. I've been asked this question a few times. Um, How often should people have sex in a healthy marriage? And I see the guy sitting there going... (laughs) (laughs) And this is, what I've, this is what I've learned to answer now as I've understood this area more and more. How often should people have sex in a healthy marriage? Um, I don't have sex in my marriage. We do. And we have sex every time we want to. Because sex, wise sex, is not mine. Wise sex is not me. It's not what can I get. It's not what can I take. It's about how do I serve. It's about how do I listen. If you are not interested in what pleases your partner, you are not in wisdom. If you are not committed to what pleases your partner, you are not in wisdom. If you override what you know pleases your partner for your own desire, you are way out of bounds from wisdom. It's us. It's us. It's by definition two people becoming one and not compromising, but 100% this way and 100% that way. That's wise Sex is giving yourself to one other person entirely. No guilt, no insecurity, no shame, no performance, no comparison, no fear, just sex. Blessing, rejoicing, loving, satisfying, captivating sex given to us by our loving God. It's the highest expressions of intimacy and it's belonging and joy unlike anything else. Young people, if you're not married yet, or, or older people, if you're not married um, yet. The short game is not worth it. The long game is the go here. Plenty of people have lousy honeymoon experiences and a great sex life. You're not after what you can get, what you can experience. You're after this wow of sexual oneness that comes when you are entirely given to somebody else. And that is a journey of a lifetime. And it's so far beyond physical. It is so far beyond physical. 
And men, listen to me. It is so far beyond physical. To be one. To be vulnerable. To be honest. To be listening in that most delicate of spaces is the hardest thing to talk about in a marriage. But if you can win safety for yourselves in this space, it is beautiful. It's the highest form of intimacy. So it's not what can I experience, it's what can we build together. Verse 20 now. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breasts of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord clearly sees what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. If you've ever been addicted to pornography, you'll go, oh yeah. He will die for lack of self-control. He'll be lost because of his great foolishness. So where are we lost in folly? Where are we held captive by our own sins? Would you like a little more wisdom to invade your life and change your desires? Well, here's the good news. The Holy Spirit is right here and right now and ready to move in every open heart. And I know there are lots of situations that, that, that these are just ones I know about, you know, across the life of our body um, that way. What if I want to be married and I'm not? What if I've had multiple partners? What if I don't feel safe with my wife or my husband? What if I struggle with homosexual thoughts? What if I can't shake my porn addiction? What if I just don't enjoy sex? I just don't want it. And others. And they're, they're very real situations. Now, I'll tell you about another real situation. Remember that woman who was caught in adultery and gets thrown at Jesus' feet like a test? You know, Moses and the law say she should be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? Um, he doesn't say, Where's, I thought you needed two. Where's the bloke? <laughs> How come it's just the woman on... What does he say to this woman? Two things. After he, after he um, gets rid of all of the other accusers. He says, uh, who is there left to accuse you? He leans down, looks in the eye. Who is there left to accuse you? No one, Lord. He says, then I don't condemn you. Hear that? I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And to all of our real situations, we are, some of us are in hard situations, either within marriages or outside of marriages. For all of our real situations, for all of the anguish and the pain and the struggle and whatever, Jesus leans down, he looks us in the eye and he says, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. There is so much grace into the real. There is so much grace into the real. And you go, well, he said, don't go and sin no more. Yeah, but then when she sins again, he leans down and says, I don't condemn you. What's the go and sin no more? That is, there is a better way. There is this music around sex. There is, there is the ideal that God has. One man, one woman, entirely committed to each other in selfless, lifelong, beautiful relationship. Go that way. Towards that, towards that. So there is grace for the real and there is always this point towards the holiness and the perfection of what God wants for us. Always. 
And it doesn't, this stuff does not get better just because you go, oh good, now I want to be wise with sex. These are deep, ingrained, vulnerable, difficult, hard things. And the journey from the real to the ideal is forever. None of us ever actually get there, do we? And we've got to have grace for each other in that mix. But let's not deplete what God wants for sex. And the beauty of what God wants for sex. So whatever your particular real is now, whatever it is now, God wants to come into that space with grace, with so much grace. And he wants to help you by the transformation of your desires. This is not to guilt you. It's not to shame you. It's not to harm you. It is to work in your life so that you more and more and more see what God's talking about and you more and more and more want what God wants for you, for you in this area. And God wants for me to be a one man, a one woman man. And he wants for my wife to be a one man woman in my whole life. And that's what he wants for you too. So if we go after wisdom from God in this area, he will keep showing us more of what he designed sex for and he will help us to want what he wants for us in this area. I think few of us, few of us are not struggling with something in this area. That is, most of us have got some sort of struggle. It can be situational, um, oh, it can be lots of things. Anyway, what I would say to you is this. I hope anyway that this is a call and an understanding that God wants something better for you wherever you are. And I would hope that it would be a call for you to reach out and find the kind of help that is going to move you towards what God wants for you more in this area. Um, I would, if, if, if you think, I don't know what to do next, if you think, I've got an addiction and I can't stop it, if you think um, there's a struggle in a relationship that I'm having and I can't see a way forward that way, I would love to help you or point you to a resource. Um, Leanne's gone away for a month, so she can't help immediately. Um, but through December, Leanne is brilliant in this space as well. We just want to connect you with someone who can help you just take another step forward in that area. We don't want you to feel like, oh, I'm so far below this that I'm just kind of lost in that and I can never be what God wants me to be. Rubbish, rubbish. The Holy Spirit is real. And Jesus is real and he's going to transform our desires if we submit to him and keep transforming our desires more and more and more towards what he wants for us. So let's, because he loves us and he wants us to live and not die. He gave us sex and let's trust him and be wise with sex. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful gift that you gave to us for this intimacy that's ours, for this, for this life-giving, just joy-yielding, vulnerable, oh, wonderful sex. Help us to be wise, God. Help us each to take just the next step towards wisdom in this area. Help us to know what it is now, Father, even as we sit before you, as we pray. Uh, is it to reach out for help? Is it to confess a sin? 
Is it to stop and listen? Is it to ask? Is it to understand that, uh, that, it's, that we're not filthy and that we're not dirty because we desire sex? Is it permission for us to tell our husbands or our wives what we want? Is it grace to listen in spaces that could hurt? God, you know what we need now. And I pray, God, that you would move each of our hearts towards just the next little step in wisdom, in sex. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.